Welcome to Fear and Greed Sunday Feature. I'm Michael Thompson. Every week we like to give you some good Sunday listening. Sometimes it's an interview from our archives and on other occasions, kind of like today I suppose, uh, it's an episode of our sister podcast, How Do They Afford That? Now, How Do They Afford That uh, is a podcast really focused on making your money work a bit harder for you. It is co-hosted by Canna Campbell, financial planner and the founder of Sugar Mama TV, the financial literacy platform. And this particular episode was released a couple of weeks ago and it looks at debt recycling. What's debt recycling? Well, it's an investment strategy that might allow you to invest while you've got a mortgage, essentially using the equity in your home to invest. And of course, you should get professional advice before making investment decisions like this, but it is an interesting guide as to how it all works. And if you like this episode, there are plenty more. There's one every week. I'll put a link in the show notes, or you can find How Do They Afford That wherever you listen to podcasts. I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to How Do They Afford That, the podcast that peeks into the financial lives of everyday Australians. I'm Michael Thompson. I'm a writer and the co-host of the podcast Fear and Greed Business News. I'm joined, as I always am, every week by Canna Campbell, financial planner, founder of Sugar Mama TV, which is a financial literacy platform that you'll find pretty much everywhere where you can consume content, YouTube and podcasts and books and Instagram and TikTok and, and everything. Are you on threads? I am. Are you? Yeah. Okay, I'll just... But I feel like I'm just hanging on by a thread there. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Don't really understand the purpose of that platform. Oh, no. It's, it's, it feels like it's just a, a, a slightly kind of safer, more wholesome version of Twitter. Yeah. Anyway, I'll, I'll check out your uh, your content on threads. We've kind of got a little bit sidetracked there. How are you going? I'm very excited because we're talking about debt recycling. Yeah, look, way back when we started this podcast, one of the very first topics that we actually did, I think we, it was in our first kind of six topics, and we're up to now episode 70-something. One of our first ones was debt recycling. And in hindsight, <laughs> in hindsight, it was probably a little bit like trying to run before I could walk because debt recycling is an investment strategy that's, that's a little bit more complex yes. than just, say, putting your money in a high interest kind of savings account. We're essentially talking about using the equity in your own home to build an investment portfolio. Uh, so today I want to re- I know you're very excited about this. Look at you. You <laughs> kind of just like straight yeah, I'm like yeah. ready to like pounce. So uh, it's it, we we're going to revisit the topic and we're going to get a better understanding of a better understanding than I had last time at least because debt recycling could be a higher risk strategy, but for the right person with good advice. At the right time. At the right time, it could be a pathway to financial freedom. But 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 before we go, before we get into it, and I know that this is gonna hurt <laughs> like you. At the gates, like really should like I just need like, you to hold it back for about fifteen <laughs> more seconds because we need to remind you that as you're listening, please know that anything we talk about is always general in nature. It's never personal, investment, uh, strategic or product advice. It is purely for financial education purposes only. That's right. We don't know anything about your unique situation, what you're trying to achieve, what you're trying to achieve by what deadlines, what your risk profile may be, all the unique ins and outs of your personal finances. So know that this is just purely for your educational purposes only. What is debt recycling? And go. Okay, so you described it actually very well. It's about using the equity within your home Mm -hmm. and then borrowing against that to be able to diversify and acquire other investments. So you are, in fact, taking on more debt, which is secured against your home, but you're using that to be able to 
I hate this saying, but kill two birds with one stone. You're able to continue on, focus on paying off your home loan, but you're not foregoing precious, valuable time because you're able to actually build up an investment portfolio with borrowed money at the same time. Reason why it's called recycling is because you are reducing your non-deductible personal debt of your home loan and increasing your investment debt, which obviously has tax deductions through the interest rate payments. Okay, of course, because the house that you live in, uh, the interest that you're paying there, none of that is tax deductible. That's all just debt. Toxic. Debt. And that's why I say debt? it is semi-toxic. semi-toxic, I call it, because you know people say rent money is dead money. Uh, interest is dead money too. Mm. The only benefit is obviously in particular housing markets like right now is it's forced savings because it forces you to pay that home off mm-hmm. eventually over a 30-year term traditionally. But also that asset is allows you to acquire an asset that increases in value. Obviously, of course, with all your neighbours and all the other suburbs surrounding. So it is, I think, a very powerful strategy when used in the right way at the right time for the right person if you want to wake up one day and go, not only do I own my own home, right, I have a multi-million dollar diversified investment portfolio as well. Okay, so then we know then that the portion of, of, of this that is paying off your house, that's not tax deductible. What makes a debt tax deductible then? Uh, is it the fact that it is being used to generate income? income? Exactly. So it is incredibly important to be able to claim the interest off your tax mm-hmm. from investment purposes you must be able to say to the ATO, yes, I borrowed this money to purchase an investment asset that is producing an income. So people who borrow money to buy a piece of land for investment purposes can't actually claim the interest of the tax because that land, assuming it's just sitting there and not being used as a rental income source, Mm. is actually not deductible because it's not generating income. income. So let me give you an example because I feel like we're slailing along smoothly, but I think everyone loves a good example. So yes, please. say you own a home. Mm-hmm. and Can we assign some values to this? I'm about to. Oh, can I can I suggest making them really easy figures? Because I've I already- I was going to, but okay. yes, well, tell me your numbers then. I was going to say, let's make them nice and round, that the property is worth $1 million. Yes. And that you have a, you owe $500,000 on your mortgage. Yes. which means that you have $500,000 in equity. So what you would say to the bank is call them up and say, I really want to start investing. Mm-hmm. And they would say, well, you've got $500,000 equity. You're, you know, And obviously subject to your income, your living expenses, any financial dependence you may have, or, or a few different other things in the mix as well there. Mm-hmm. They'll say, well, look, would you like to borrow $100,000 from us? It is secured against your home, so your home is up for grabs if this if you don't meet your repayments. But we will lend you $100,000, and you can take that $100,000 and invest it into a parcel of shares, for example. I'm using that just as an example. Mm-hmm. So you would essentially now not have $500,000 worth of debt. You'd have $600,000 worth of debt because you have your existing $500,000 home loan. Mm-hmm. But you now have a $100,000 investment loan. It is very important that these loans are separated okay? because when it comes to tax time, you need to be able to demonstrate, all right, this portion of the interest is my home. This portion of my interest is my investment debt, which is tax deductible. So that $100,000 that you have borrowed Mm. then in order to buy that parcel of shares, 
the interest that you're paying across the year, so say it's at, let's say, 6.5% or something. Yeah. Yeah. Here I am going, let's use round numbers, let's make it easy. It's 6.87%. like, okay, that's easy. Uh, But that portion of it, because it is used to buy those shares, which are an investment that are hopefully then creating an income, that 6.7% would be tax deductible, whereas the other $500,000 Non-deductible. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. And it's a long-term strategy. It's not something you do to quickly make money. That is fraught with danger. So what what kind of time period are we talking here? Are we talking like 20, 30 years or 10 years? Or <sighs> Depends who you talk to. I, mm. I think this is a long-term strategy. I think this is a, a 20, 30 indefinite strategy because the way I work in my, I guess, game plan for wealth creation is long-term buy and hold, mm-hmm. uh, you know, accumulation of passive income sources that will give you, so you can live off all the dividends or the rent or whatever your choice of investment is. So it's more about acquiring over the long run, but I would say a minimum of 10 years. But you've got to keep in mind your cash flow as well, because you've got to maintain your existing mortgage repayment, plus you've got to factor in the new interest repayments on that $100,000 loan. But there's one little thing I'd like to share with people, which I think a lot of people get confused by. You can apply for this loan and have that loan sit there. As long as you haven't drawn that money out, you're not paying any interest on it. So what some people like to do is take it slow and steady, which is a smart move for people who've never done this type of gearing strategy before. Mm -hmm. And they will say, okay, well, I don't want to withdraw the whole $100,000 yet and pay a full amount, a full-fledged interest on the $100,000 loan. I'm just going to take $20,000 out mm-hmm. and buy $20,000, for example, of shares, yep. which means you'll only pay interest on the $20,000 loan, not the full $100,000. Like, so you, it, you start paying interest when that's, once that loan is actually start to be drawn down. So people will actually set this up, but not actually start using it necessarily until like a couple of months later until they're just that one step closer and more comfortable with what they're doing because it's not for everyone. Uh, I, I'm going to ask you some very... Um <laughs> they could come across as slightly dumb questions, but I'm just this whole thing is so fascinating to me. Obviously, with the the home loan portion of this of this loan, this five hundred thousand dollars, you are paying both the principal and the interest off. So you're reducing the total amount that you owe. Are you paying back the hundred thousand dollars that you have borrowed for your uh, to buy the parcel of shares, or are you, is that an interest only loan that you have? This is a really good question to ask. Oh, that's actually one of the best questions you've ever asked me. Ever? Yeah. Well, I wish yeah, now yeah. I I wish I hadn't kind of um, prefaced it now with this might be a silly question. I wish I'd just gone in saying, Kana, brace yourself for a, a <laughs> ripper of a question here. But what is the answer? So it depends on the bank and it depends what the advice has been. Mm-hmm. So for some people, if they've got a mortgage and they want to obviously prioritise paying off their non-deductible f- debt first, which makes a lot of sense, they will set their investment loans up traditionally at interest only. Mm-hmm. So that will they'll just be paying the interest. That means that hundred thousand dollar loan just stays there, assuming that they don't you know repay it or, or, yep. or increase it. However, you don't necessarily have to do that if you want to see your overall debt levels come down. Some people like to have that $100,000 loan set as, up as principal and interest, particularly for people who are actually seeing their home loans coming down at a quite a rapid rate or they've been on you know, their 15 years into their mortgage repayment journey and they've only got 10 left, they actually may say, look, I don't want an interest-only loan or I've got a great surplus cash flow. I would like to see that 
loan coming down because it means my investments are going to be more cash flow positive or cash flow neutral or less cash flow negative. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. What's the main benefit here, though? Is it is it the dividends that are being generated by the uh, investment that you have made in this parcel of shares, or is it the tax deductible interest that you're paying on it, or is it a combination of both? It's both, but also it's the fact that you're utilising the ability of borrowing to invest to actually diversify your wealth outside of the family home, mm-hmm. outside of just one property. And you're also making the most of time because this is a long-term investment strategy. You're not waiting to start investing until you've paid off your home loan, which is a, a big misconception. People think, I can't st- I can't invest until I've paid off my home. That's not actually necessarily the case. So you're able to start acquiring assets sooner rather than later. And obviously, you know, with great advice and, you know, a- appropriately diversified investment portfolio and compounding interest and things like dividend reinvestment as well, it means that that one day comes and you've paid off your home and you're not starting investing from scratch. You've already been, you know, got a nice share portfolio or investment portfolio of your choice bubbling away in the background that you actually set up 15 years ago that's not worth $100,000 now. It's now worth maybe 200 or 300 depending on the returns. Because there is a the growth. Yeah, you've allowed the benefit of time to help work, you know, in an efficient way. It's a very powerful strategy. Okay. And it's actually available to a lot of people if they want to use it, but you've got to get advice. And there are lots of things you can do to help reduce those risks, but those risks are definitely there. Theoretically, if you've if you've invested well, there will be kind of, I suppose you call it capital growth in the capital in the growth, actual yeah. uh, the value of that portfolio, but there would also be then your, your dividends if they are being reinvested as well. So your $100,000 might actually just be the core of it. Exactly. Okay. All right. Uh, you mentioned there's risks. I think we need to go through those in a few, in a bit of detail. Oh, yes, very much so. Because, uh, I mean, you are attaching a new debt to your your family home. Yeah. And so it, it feels like there's a certain amount of risk there. Let's come back in a moment and get into that. Kana, we're talking all about debt recycling today, and this is a fairly kind of sophisticated strategy uh, for investment. And it is something where, as we said at the top of the show, if, if you are thinking, if you're hearing this and going, this is actually something I'm interested in, you should really get some advice uh, on it because it is not just your, your kind of run-of-the-mill invest in a high interest savings account or kind of just buying shares online. It is essentially using the equity that has been built up in your home to invest. So you are taking on more debt, but the difference is that this debt is tax deductible debt. Yes. Okay. Risks. What are they? Apart from the fact that you are attaching new debt to your family home, what happens if the value of those shares goes down? Could could most definitely do that. That's one of the risks. But... as I said, this is a long-term strategy mm-hmm. and, you know, you need to make sure you're diversified and if you go and sell, you're obviously crystallizing that loss and you're not only going to have to pay back that loan, you're also going to, if you depending on what you sell the shares for, there might be a loss. So, and it may costing you money as well. So, mm. there's, you know, or you may break even. There's lots of different things and all of it boils down to the advice you got as to where you should be investing in. But this is not something you would do to, like you wouldn't borrow $100,000 to go and put it into an online savings account because the interest you earn is less than the interest you're paying to the bank for the loan in the first place. So typically people use this for 
a growth or high growth assets such as you know Australian shares, uh, property, international shares, where you've got that yes high levels of market volatility and risk, but you've got that opportunity for long term capital growth and income that exceeds the interest rate over the time. So to help manage the risk, and I should also say people say, well, that's such a dangerous strategy, you could lose your home. And that's correct. If you don't meet your repayments, the bank could seize, take over your home. But that is also the same with your home loan. If you mm. don't meet your home loan repayments, you're going to lose your home. So, so it relies on having uh, the, the, the primary income, the, an yeah. income to actually service your home loan, just as, mm. as you normally do anyway, it is essentially adding more onto that. And I suppose that's when it's important to be looking at your income protection insurance and various things as well, right? At, uh, and not just income protection, trauma cover as well, and right. life and TPD. You know, mm-hmm. you, if you're taking on a strategy like this, you need to think about what, if something was to happen to you, what assets need to be protected as a priority and the level of cover that you have in place. But you also need to look at your cash flow, make sure you can afford this, and make sure you can afford this with multiple interest rate rises because you might look at this and go yep we could afford this in the budget you know to, to look at borrowing a little bit of money against the home and building up a starting up a share portfolio mm-hmm. but you you need and I always, I've been saying this for years and I'm so glad I've been saying this for years because it's served as such wise advice today but I say to people if you're looking at borrowing to invest factor in th- a 3% interest rate rise so that you know that no matter what happens to interest rates it's not going to be cause an issue for you where you're maybe forced to having to close down the loan and sell everything off because, you know, you're in over your head with the interest repayments. Yeah. So a 3% rise higher than where they are at the time that you're borrowing it. Exactly. And that's why I sort of say, that's a a really good buffer. And that buffer has actually worked out to be really wise advice, Mm. you know. And I haven't just said that about investment advice. I've said that in any sort of home loan as well. Yeah, sure. Then obviously diversification, making Mm -hmm. sure it's diversified and getting advice about whether you need a principal interest loan or an interest only loan. And this is an important one to get advice because in particular times, and I know for my, uh, for Tom and I, we have this strategy set up in various forms. And I've, I've had this type of strategy set up for myself you know, for many, many years, even before I met Tom. It actually worked out to be a cheaper interest rate by having it as a principal interest than interest only. Mm-hmm. So you need to get a good quality mortgage broker because they will say, actually, you're, it's, you're going to save 50 basis points by having these loans set up at principal interest and paying interest only. So that you've got to know someone who knows the, the, the market really well. Mm-hmm. Another great way of reducing the risks is, is having that rent or that those dividends paid towards the loan if you want. If you don't want to reinvest them, don't spend them. Put them towards the loan so you can see that loan is coming down. It's always at a manageable level. You're not stressed about it, and you know that it's actually you know working for you. And nothing's set in stone. You might go, okay, well for the first year we'll keep it at interest only, and then in a year's time we'll switch it to principal interest, and then you know we may have the dividends you know being paid to us to help see how we go in the next twelve months. But then we can switch it to dividend reinvestment plan. Like this is not set in stone. You can tweak and change your strategy, which is perfectly normal and natural and I'd say a good sign because your situation evolves and your goals and dreams may also evolve as well. We are running out of time, but this is such an interesting topic. There's two questions I'm going to ask you rolled into one. Who is a strategy like this most suited to and who's at least suited to? Well, all right. So people who have the time, you know, they've got a, a time investment horizon of, you know, 
10, 15, 20, 30 years. Okay. All right. So, it's probably not something that, that people would be looking at when they are perhaps already retired. Correct. Gotcha. Then you have to make sure that you've got the, the cash flow. As I said, that 3% buffer. Mm-hmm. People have got enough emergency money, the right amount of emergency. People who are, an ex- who are experienced investors, I would never look at this strategy for someone who's never invested before. That doesn't mean they can't do this. What it means is they need to maybe understand a bit more about investing and dip their toe in before they start doing a, a, a fairly complex strategy like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, people who've actually gotten quality financial advice from a licensed financial planner and people who are very comfortable with high levels of market volatility. So a growth or high growth investor that is emotionally in check with what their strategy is and they understand all the risks and also understand all the benefits and sacrifices that go along with this. And the cool thing about this strategy, as I said, is available to a lot of people if they want to use it and they're comfortable with it. And if you're not sure, probably get advice. 100%. Because a financial planner will be able to tell you whether or not you are suited to this. Right? Correct. Like, that's 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 what a financial planner's job is. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, very, very interesting. And it is one that I, I feel like I understand it so much better now than I did the first time. As a, uh, When we discussed it way back in the infancy of this podcast, it, it felt like it was one of those ones where I was probably in that category of someone who was still just kind of getting their head around so many of these concepts. Now, listening to this, I'm like, okay, this makes sense. It is a little bit complex. There is a fair bit of risk. But it's an interesting, interesting idea and and worth kind of a conversation with a financial planner. And that's the key to it. Make sure you're getting some good quality advice. Mortgage broker, financial planner, professionals who know this space. Absolutely. And one little tip is a question that I get asked quite a bit is, what do you do with that investment loan at the end of the day? So you essentially have two options. One is to sell the investment and and pay it off. Mm -hmm. The other one is just to pay it off with your new surplus cash flow because you're no longer having that to pay that mortgage repayment every month. You can now just focus all that money towards paying off the remaining investment loan. Or you can sell part of that investment to clear off the remaining debt on that loan. So you've got a lot, you've got more choice with this type of strategy when used in the right way to continue on your wealth creation journey. This feels like one of those podcasts that it's actually probably worthwhile going back and having another listen to it as well. If this is something that you're interested in, Go back and have another listen through because there's been so much information. You've given us a lot to think about in terms of kind of just the very nature of debt recycling, the fact that it is taking uh, essentially the equity in your home and and using that to invest and, and using the idea of this tax deductible debt when previously it was toxic debt attached to your home loan instead. But there is a lot of risk attached to this. It is a fairly complex strategy. It's worth getting some uh, professional advice before you kind of jump into this because you need to make sure that, that you're aware that that you are attaching debt to your family home uh, and that investments can go up and they can go down and there are consequences there. But really, fascinating conversation. And I reckon if you were to test me on any of this, I would be able to answer it. And also, we need to mark this one on the calendar as the day when I asked a question that you said is possibly the best question I have ever asked you on this podcast. I don't even remember what the question was now. Oh, that's right. It was about the principal and the interest. You know what? Gold star to me. I feel like I don't know whether you can actually award yourself a gold star, but I think I earned it today. You got it. And just quickly before we go, Kanna, 
I have a savings tip. We like to do these at the end of the show now because it's nice to finish on something really positive and really tangible that you can take out and, and use. And uh, this is a savings tip that came in via Instagram to me from one of our listeners uh, by the name of Arnold, who said, uh, and I hope you don't mind me just jumping in and just dominating this one, but uh, they said, here's a money tip, because I, I put the call out kind of weeks ago, remember saying that oh, everyone, I whinged yes. and said that everyone always sends Went Canna. The back of the garden to eat worms. Yeah, everyone always sends Canna, the money-saving tips, send them to me instead, so I finally got some uh, some ammunition in the studio, and people have done it, and I'm very, very grateful. This one from Arnold, money tip, shop at farmer's markets and stick around till almost closing time, a lot of them will slash their prices by a lot to get rid of stock so they don't have to take it with them, and you can always negotiate to get more bang for your buck too, not something you can do at a major supermarket. That is brilliant. How good is that? Oh, my. Arnold, thank you so much. How good is that? And this has got to be the first... I'm going to do that this weekend. Yeah, this has got to be the first time I've ever actually given a tip that you haven't then criticised. <laughs> I really need to get better about them. Better with that. I'm sorry. No, that's fine. That's fine. You're like my punching bag. Yeah, no, that's, <laughs> that's my role here in the studio. Uh, look, if anyone wants more information, where do they find you? Best place to get in contact with me is on Instagram at TV. And you can hear me every day with Sean Aylmer on Fear and Greed, Australia's best business podcast. Thank you very much for listening to How Do They Afford That. And remember, please, to hit follow on the podcast so you get every episode straight into your playlist every Wednesday. Leave us a review as well. Very much appreciated. Next week, can I get excited? I know you're excited. Ooh. You're excited today <laughs> talking about debt recycling. The excitement will be off the charts next week because it is manifesting March. Hallelujah. Oh, goodness me. I am bracing myself for it. Please join us. I'm going to go completely off the charts, like complete neurotic nutcase, just to freak you out. And what's not to look forward (laughs) to about that? Don't miss it.